Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. And so we're going to be in Matthew, Matthew 11, Matthew 11, verse 12. And uh, just to set up and give you context here, this is Jesus speaking, right? So anytime you open up your Bible and you see those red words, that's important, right? That's, that's Jesus' words. And, and the thing about Jesus is this, is that anytime Jesus spoke, it was intentional, Every single word was powerful. And I believe that Jesus spoke to empower us, to equip us, and and prepare us for what is ahead. And so here we pick up in verse 12. Are you guys ready? All right, verse 12. And it says, and the days of John the Baptist until now. Somebody say now. All right, come on, Wiley. Say now. All right, that's good. They're good. Until the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Interesting. And the violent... Take it by force. I love, I love this word now. I love this word now because I believe Jesus is trying to communicate that God is not just a God of history. God is not a God of just your yesterday. God is a God of your now. And I believe there's freedom for you now. I believe there's healing for you now. I believe there's break for, breakthrough for you now. Now, and so here we pick up in verse 12 that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And I mean, you think about it. I mean, either even if you're a CNN person or a Fox person, you turn on the television and it's chaos, right? There's violence. Whether you're a Facebook person or an Instagram person or a Twitter person, you know, you, you look and you see and it's, it's chaos. It's violence. It's turmoil. It's confusion. And so what happens when life hits you hard? When, when there's confusion and chaos, and Jesus says here, he says, but the violent take it by force. And I love how Pastor Dustin said this earlier in this series, is that there's another interpretation of, of violent, but it's, the word is intentional. The intentional take it by force. And, and Jesus is saying to, this, to, saying to us, is saying that uh, he's telling us how to overcome obstacles by putting into action what God has given us. Putting into action what God has given us. And pastor said that, you know, for us, we have to pull something greater than ourselves uh, from, from the outside on the inside. And that it's not about our ability, but his ability. Amen. And so the question is, why does this matter? You know, okay, yeah, I get it. This is important, but how does this apply to me with where I'm at right now? And maybe my question for you today is, am I truly taking responsibility? Am I really, truly taking responsibility for my life and what's been given to me? And I think we can all, you know, self-evaluate and we be like, well, you know, I am responsible. I take out the trash. You know, I'm, I'm good. I, I clean up. I wash the dishes. And I have a budget or I'm responsible. You know, I'm intentional. I take it by force. But here's the thing is that the opposite of responsibility is irresponsibility, right? But the thing is about irresponsibility is that it's very, very difficult to see in the mirror. A lot of times we think we're responsible, but we're actually not. It's very difficult. And, and uh, see, here's the deal. I, 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 I'm, I'm speaking from experience. And, uh, you know, five years ago, 
uh, I got married to my beautiful bride, Carissa, and in July, five years, which is, which is crazy, time flies when you're having fun, but uh, so right before we got married, I was so excited, I'm like, I'm preparing myself, I want to be responsible, make sure like my budget's good, okay, we got the apartment, making sure everything's great, and I was like, man, I'm doing good. You know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm great. I think I'm ready for marriage, you know. And then, uh, man, life kind of hits you a little bit, you know. It's a, anybody that married that know what I'm talking about. It's like, wow, all right, we're a little different, and that's okay. But it's interesting that when we, when we were dating, uh, when we were dating, we got invited to a wedding. And to give you a little context, I'm, I'm half Indian, half Colombian, right? So I brought a lot of culture into our marriage, right? A lot. And uh, we got invited to this Indian, uh, Indian wedding. And, and for those who don't know about Indian weddings, they are very long, like very long. Sometimes a couple days, but this one specifically was like, you know, the ceremony was probably a couple hours, right? And then, and then you party, you know? And so I'm like, okay, this is, this is good. This is kind of a day event. But then I kind of double booked, and I was like, oh, I'm doing a camp the same day. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe just maybe I could do both. You know, why not? Well, I could do, I could do both. That's fine. I'm responsible. I think we can make it. And so the camp and the wedding was actually a couple blocks away. And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I'll, I'll go to the camp. I'll, I'll lead worship. And then I'll leave. I'll go to the wedding. And I'll come back for ministry time. And then I'll come back for the wedding, and no one would ever know. And so, like, oh, yeah, sure, why not? Chris, what do you think? And she's like, I don't think so. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a good idea. See, the thing is with Carissa, she likes to be about 10 to 15 minutes early, right? And then that's kind of pushing it. And for me, I kind of like really like to pack as many things as possible because I like to accomplish things. Yeah, yeah. As many things as possible and then get there right on the dot, you know, and she's stressed out. And so well, I didn't know this, right? <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, let's go to the wedding. It's great. We're, we're dating. I'm like, this is going to be a great date. No. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going out. And, and so, um, you know, we play at the camp. And I'm, I'm changing in the car, putting on the tuxedo. We go, go into the wedding and then come back to the camp, change and play again. And then once it was said and done, I made it. And I'm like, wow. I'm kind of proud of myself. I was responsible. Yeah, it was great. I'm like celebrating. I'm like, man, I can't believe I pulled this off. And the whole time I was celebrating, Carissa was carrying such weight of the stress and the anxiety. I'm just like, never again. You, you should ask her about this. It was crazy. Never again. But here's the thing about irresponsibility. As funny as the story is, is that irresponsibility isn't just a personal thing. It really isn't. You see, it impacts anyone that is connected with that responsibility. And anytime an individual acts irresponsible, someone has to pick it up. Somebody has to pick it up. I love what Andy Stanley says, and he says this, is that, is that your irresponsibility will eventually be someone else's responsibility. I love that. I'm going to say that again. Your irresponsibility will eventually be someone else's responsibility. And so maybe let's kind of shift this to take it by force and say, whatever you don't take up by force, someone else will. Whatever you don't take up by force, someone else will. And so am I truly taking responsibility 
and putting into action what's been given to me. And so today we're going to go into the Old Testament. I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I believe it speaks and it's alive to us today. And so we're going we're gonna to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 7. And it's the story of King Saul and Jonathan. If you're familiar with this, King Saul was appointed the king of Israel. And it's interesting that the people didn't realize that they had the king of kings right? They wanted a man. They wanted religion. They're like, oh yeah, well, let's pick you. And King Saul looked really good on the outside, but on the inside, not so great. And so here he is, appointed king, and his son Jonathan is with him. And the Philistines, who uh, you might be familiar with this story, but obviously David and Goliath, the famous story in the Bible there. This is right before that. So the Philistines are attacking the children of Israel, right? Attacking chaos, Life pushes you at you, and here is King Saul, and what happens is, is that they start to retreat. They start to, to, to be in fear, and they scatter throughout the land, and it says that they were hiding in caves and underneath rocks and thickets and all over the place. And it's interesting, if you actually look at the word Philistine, the word or the definition of that means to wallow in the dust. And so here's God's people. They get hit by life by the enemy. And all of a sudden, they are wallowing in the dust instead of taking it by force. And see, it says in chapter 13 that King Saul actually had 600 men. That's, that's, a, that's pretty big. 600 men around him, but he was uh, hanging out underneath a pomegranate tree, of all things. I'm like, all right, get some free fruit, I guess. I don't know how that works. But he's, he's underneath a pomegranate tree in, in a surrounding of 600 men. And here we pick up in verse in verse uh, 6 here, and it says this, uh, it says this, 1 Samuel 14, uh, verse 6, it says, Jonathan said to his younger armor bearer, come, let us go. Somebody say go. Go, come, let us go over to the outpost, to those uncircumcised men, that's the Philistines. Perhaps, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few, do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. I love this. I love this because it's one battle and two different outcomes for Saul and for Jonathan. See, the thing is, is that have you ever been in life where you were prepared, you just got a promotion, things are going great, and then all of a sudden life hits you? Like the battle of life and, and fear starts to grip you and paralyze you. And this is where we find King Saul. See, the crazy thing about fear is that fear is a form of faith just in the wrong things. Fear is a form of faith just in the wrong things. And, and fear is actually a form of focus. And so whatever you fear the most, that's what you will drift to. And so all of a sudden, here's King Saul drifting away further and further away from the battle, what he was called to do. Here's King Saul. And Jonathan, it's almost like a movie. He says, hey, all I got is my armor bearer. Let's go and let's take the land. And here we are. We pick up on this story. And today, you know, I feel that we can find such gold out of this context. 
And so today, very quickly, I'm going to give you four practical tools on how to take it by force. Four practical tools when life hits you hard, when you, to overcome a battle, how to uh, take it by force. So the first, the first tool is this, weapon in your weakness. Weapon in your weakness is the first one. Write that down, weapon in your weakness. And to give some context is, is this, is that the Philistine army came in, and what they did was they took all the blacksmiths out of the land. You can find this in chapter 13. They, they took all the blacksmiths out of the land in, land in fear of the Philistines creating more weapons. And it says in, in verse 22 in chapter 13 that the only two people, get this, the only two people that had swords in Saul's army was King Saul and Jonathan. Those are the only two people that had swords. And I was like, I think that, that there's some value there in that detail. Because the thing is, is this, is that there is a weapon in your weakness. And the thing is that, that the enemy will try to take the very thing that will give you the victory. Because the thing is, is that the word of God is your sword. The word of God is your sword. When you're in a battle, you can declare the promises of God over your life. And that's how you find the victory in your life. You know, so many times I feel discouraged. You know, I'm just like, man, like, am I really called for this? And, you know, sometimes, like, the lies of the enemy will hit you, and you just question your life. But sometimes you just have to remind the enemy of his, his destination sometimes. You know what I mean? And so you just, just declare what God has done over your life. And so Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and it's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the, of the heart. In verse 16, it says, let us approach God's throne of grace. I love this. With confidence so that we may receive and find grace to help us, get this, to help us in our time of need. The word of God is for you in your time of need. Are you in a battle? Are you fearing are, are you feeling fearful? Pick up your sword and start fighting. Pick up your sword and start fighting. See, the thing is is that John, Saul was outnumbered, he was outgunned in the battle, but he didn't use what was given to him. He had a sword and he had 600 men. Jonathan had a sword and he had one two different outcomes. Jonathan took it by force. So weapon in your weakness number two is victory, victory in your vision. Victory in your vision. Jonathan saw something that no one else saw. It's interesting that when Jonathan, when, when everyone saw opposition, Jonathan saw opportunity. And that when the battle started to hit him, that all of a sudden he's like, you know what, my God is able and he is who he says he is, so I'm going to take some steps of faith, and I see, I, I see something that no one else sees. And, you know, it's interesting that if you can't see right, you can't be right. You know what I mean? If, if you can't see right, you can't be right. You know, when I was younger, I had these huge glasses, like red old glasses. Um, and, and as a kid, they called me Steve Urkel. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now I wear contacts, praise God. So, which is all good. But the thing is, if I take my contacts out, I will not be able to see at all. But I think so many times we're okay with not seeing right. Sometimes it's like the thing is, is that God's speaking and he's showing and he's moving. He's on the move all the time. But are we actually looking for it? Are we actually looking for it? Are we aware of what God is doing? 
Because I, I think that we have been hit by this epidemic of the casualty of comfort. The casualty of comfort because it's like, I want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable in my own skin, or I want to be comfortable at my church. I want to be comfortable in my job. I want to be comfortable with my family. I want to be comfortable. But honestly, God doesn't want us to be comfortable because comfortability is, is exactly where the enemy wants us to be because we're immobile. We don't move. We don't, we don't do anything. See, the war was raging and Saul was resting. And see, I think this is so key is that the battles that you don't fight go to the next generation. The battles that you do not fight go to the next generation. Because here we see King Saul. It was his responsibility to take lead and to, to take charge. And he didn't take it by force. And his son took it anyways. I wonder what kind of battles you're facing that you're okay coasting on. I hope your kids don't fight those. Because I, I think what happens if we have this perspective that if I get the victory, my kids get the victory. If I get the victory, my school gets the victory. If I get the victory, this nation could get the victory. You know, I, 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 I think about my parents. And um, for those that don't know, uh, I'm a second generation American. So my parents were first generation. And so they came in, they were born in India and Colombia. And, and I, I had the privilege of going to both years back. And I, I went to Colombia and I saw all my cousins barefoot. And that's how, they, that's how they do things. They play soccer. They're way better than us. You know, I'm like, wow, that's really good. What you can do with your foot. That's crazy. But no shoes, no AC. And I go to India and I see my cousins and I see what my dad, his room and where he lived and where he walked. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe you lived here. I can't, but the thing is, is this, is that he saw something that no one else did. He's like, you know what? I want to be an American. I, I want to work hard. I, I, want, I want to get my chance so that my, my kids get a better opportunity. And so all of a sudden, the battles that he won, now I don't have to fight. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden now, because of my parents' victory, I get the victory. Because now I'm living in this amazing country. You know, it's amazing what God can do with your victory. It's amazing what God can do in your victory. But see, I believe that there's so many people that are waiting on the Lord's promise, but we're underneath comfort and we're just waiting. And the, and the promise is right in front of us. So weakness or weapon in your weakness, victory in your vision, and thirdly, forward in your faith. Forward in your faith. Faith is action. See, the thing is, is that Saul sits and Jonathan acts. He moves. He takes action. The thing is, is that Saul was trying to strategize and count how many men he had. But see, Jonathan was counting on God. See, I think so many times we're like, well, I can make a move or a step of faith if I have enough money. Or if I'm, I'm comfortable enough. And we start counting on the wrong things. When really all we got to do is count on God. That's the only thing we got to do is count on God because he's the only thing that matters. He's the only thing that sustains. I love James uh, chapter 2 verse 17 and it says, you know, faith without works is dead. But I love the message and I'm, I'm going to read this for you and I hope this stirs you. It says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Oh, all right. Well, all right. He's preaching now. Does, does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, 
You come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off providing so much, uh, without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? And I love this. This is so key. Isn't it obvious? Isn't it so obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I love that. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Outrageous nonsense. You know, I think about it, and I think sometimes in church we just kind of talk. Where's the action? Where's the action? Where's the faith? Because the thing is, is that true faith always results in action. True faith always results in action. I love this quote from Henry Blackaby, and it says, you can't go with God and stay where you are. Oh, I love that. I'm going to say that again if that's okay. Is that all right? You can't go with God and stay where you are. And so here, here, here is, here's Jonathan. He has faith. And something inside of him is saying, you know what? I believe God is who he says he is. And i got to take a step of faith. And you pick it up in verse 6, and he says, Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And I think many times, I think many, many, many times, God uses the few over the many. God uses the few over the many. And I believe that when you have God, you are the majority. When you have God, you are the majority. I believe God wants to do something powerful in your life. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I love that. Isn't that right? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, for me, this is not something that, you know, some concepts that I wrote out, but this is something that I lived with. This is something that I walked through. And I remember... Uh, going to college, I went to Dallas Baptist University. I had my plan, my five-year plan. I'm like, all right, I got my ducks in a row. I, I'm, I'm going to plan on getting my MBA and the whole thing. But the interesting, is, interesting thing is this, is that my plan was for my comfort and not my calling. My plan was for my comfort and not my calling. Because at a young age, so many people are like, man, you're anointed. You're gifted. You should be in ministry. You should really do this. And honestly, I was like, nah. nah, nah. I don't really want to really do that. Honestly, I really did. I didn't. I was like, no, I really want to be comfortable because I knew what the road would take. I knew how hard it would be. I knew what was up, up to the task, but the thing is I wasn't up for it. And so I chose comfort, and I remember, you know, I, I had a, a great job as a marketing coordinator, and I remember sitting in my, in, in my, my boss's office, and he was like, hey, Benjamin, you know, you're volunteering a lot at the church, and you're asking time off. You know, you're serving on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and then on Sundays, man, you really, you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. I, I, I don't think you can work here if you keep on doing what you're doing because it's taking too many hours. And I was like, well, I quit. I'm done. <laughs> I was like, no, honestly, like, there was something inside of me where I just, I can't, I can't compromise the call. I can't compromise the call. There was something inside of me that was dying on the inside because I was being, irresp- I, I wasn't picking up what God was giving me. I wasn't picking up what God was giving me. And all of a sudden, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I called Pastor Dustin. I was like, Pastor, I just quit my job. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> 
what did you do? You know, I'm all in. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, the movement. Yeah, we have 15 students. I'm all in. Like, are you sure? Like, are you kidding? Are you getting? Like, yeah, I'm all in. And I would be lying to you. I would be like, oh, I didn't get a full-time job right away. Honestly, I found myself in the back of a coffee shop washing dishes. I was glorified dishwasher. And I was taking out the trash. And I, and I remember one night, I was like, man, what am I doing? And I remember one night, I, w- I was taking out the trash. And, uh, and it was raining. It was cold outside. And I was taking out the trash. And the trash bag broke. And all the trash kind of just like fell in this alley. And I'm picking up this trash in this cold rain. And I just started weeping. I'm like, God, did I make a mistake? Like, did I make a mistake? I was so comfortable. I had my five-year plan. I was great, but there was something inside of me that was like, no, 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 I can't do this. I can't compromise. And here I find myself on the floor in an alley picking up trash. And I'm like, God, is this ministry? I wanted the platform. I was like, God, no. And he's like, hey, I'm preparing you. I'm humbling you. (laughs) You're not ready for this just yet. I'm preparing you right now. I'm molding you and I'm making you to be stronger And then all of a sudden, my eyes started just to open just a little bit. And I started to see things what other people didn't see. Because so many people are like, man, you should just just work for this church. They'll pay you more money. Or you should just do this. Or you should do this. I'm like, no, no, no. This is what I'm called to do. This is what's really inside of me. This is my calling. I saw something no one else did. And all of a sudden, I stirred up my faith. And my faith moved me forward. And my strength was in the word of God. And this brings me to my fourth point here. Is that there's revival in your response. There's revival in your response. You have no idea the power of your yes. You have no idea the power of your yes to Jesus. Because see, you pick up in this story of King Saul and Jonathan, and here they are. They're climbing up this cliff, and they're attacking the Philistines, and they won the battle. It was a supernatural act. It was a supernatural act, and it's amazing that it says later on in this chapter that word got around all throughout the land that God was on the move and that God used two men to destroy an army. Isn't that crazy? God used two men to do something supernatural. God is on the move. God is just looking for people to say yes. And it's interesting that what happened was, story got around to where the men that were hiding in the caves, underneath the rocks and the thickets, and, and the men that actually surrendered and started walking with the Philistines actually started to pick up their, 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 what they had in their hands. Because they didn't have swords. They, they just put, picked up whatever they had and they started fighting again. They started fighting again. One yes changed everything. One yes changed everything. You know, I think about Billy Graham. I wonder what would happen if he said no. Think about Pastor Dustin. I wonder what would have happened if he said no. And I think about my life, and I, and I get kind of emotional about this because I wonder what my life would have looked like if I chose comfort over calling. I wouldn't have met my wife. I wouldn't be here. I'd be living for myself. I'd be trying to find what satisfies and I'd be totally frustrated because I was trying to make sense of it all. I was counting what I had instead of counting on God. 
I wonder what your yes would look like if you said yes to God's call in your life. Because I believe God is calling you out of comfort into your calling. God is calling you to say, hey, take it up by force. Take it up by force. He wants to use you in a powerful, powerful way. See, Jonathan's faith was personal, but his victory was for the nation. I'm going to say that again. Jonathan's faith was personal, but his victory was for the nation. What does your victory look like for you? What would it impact for you? Because I believe so much that there are two types of people, or three types of people, people that watch what happened, wonder what happened, and those that actually make it happen. I don't want to be on the sidelines because God is on the move. Did you know God is on the move? God is on the move right here in Wiley. God wants to use you in a powerful way. And so you're like, well, Pastor Ben, that's great. But what has he given me? What do I have? Let me tell you what he gave. He gave you Jesus. He gave you Jesus, who is more than enough, who is more than able, who is everything for us. And you're like, well, okay, well, Jesus, where is he? Well, there's this thing called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you power. The Holy Spirit will enable you to walk in victory in life. And today is your moment. Today could be your moment from watching on the sidelines and actually stepping into the game of life on what God has for you. God has a plan and God has a purpose. And I'm here today to encourage you to say, hey, lift up your eyes from this battle. Man, shake off fear and stir up your faith and know that God is in control and that he wants to use you in such a powerful way. I love this verse, John 16, 33. And it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Does anybody need peace today? So in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. That was a promise. You can look around and be like, man, why is this world just, why, why, why is all this trouble happening? Hey, in this world, you will have trouble. But, I love this, but take heart. Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. That's what we got to grab onto. That's what we got to grab a hold of. He's our sustainer. He's our provider. He's our rock in the storm. He's the only way through. He's the only way through. And today is your opportunity to take it by force. I don't know what your battles look like. I don't know what you have to come home to. I don't know what, what, what's, what's haunting you at night. I don't know, but one thing I know is that God is, God is able and he's stronger. He's greater than our pain. He's greater than our circumstances. And so the reason that Jonathan was able to have the victory was that God destined it. The reason why Jonathan was able to have the victory is that God destined it. God wins our battles. See, God is just looking for a people just to take it. God guarantees the battle. The battle's already won. It's interesting that the Philistines were actually occupying land that was already the Israelites. They were just in their land. They just have to take it. Maybe the thing that's in your way is you just have to take a step and just take it. Take it by force because God is in control. And so this morning, what is God needing to provide victory in you personally? 
we just take a moment right here? Because I believe that with one moment with Jesus changes everything. One moment with Jesus changes everything. And just in a moment, we're going to respond to Jesus. We're going to worship the Lord. And I believe, I believe that there's going to be breakthrough and healing in your life. So will you stand with me all across this place? This could be your moment. Today, I believe this is the most pivotal moment in our entire experience. Well, for us, we can choose comfort or we can choose calling. Some of us here today, maybe, you know, you've been battling alone and, and you just can't make it. You've been battling alone and I'm like, God, I, I don't know how to do this. Let me tell you something. Today's your opportunity to allow Jesus to fight with you because Jesus wins our battles, amen? Maybe there's some of us here today that maybe you've been fighting your whole life, but you've walked away. And you're like, man, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of, of, of this is too much. Let me tell you, it's time to pick up the fight again. It's time to burn again. It's time to really believe who God says he is. Maybe some of us, maybe just taking that step of faith and just taking it by force of what God's calling you and you personally. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.